This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America, the smart choice for ID implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant 18013-5, and surpasses AMVA guidelines. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AMVACast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the AMVA community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the AMVACast, everyone. This week, I am again welcoming back our most frequent flyer, our chair of the board, Chrissy Neiser, the administrator of the Maryland Motor Vehicle Administration. Chrissy, welcome back. Always good to be with you, Ian. People might be tired of hearing from I've me. I've heard but... quite the different uh, opinion. I've got, we've always got wonderful feedback and reaction when you're on. Uh, this one is a little bit of a bittersweet episode because this is about you finishing your year as chair this week where you're in the midst of the final, presiding over your final board meeting and hosting us here in Baltimore, which is super fantastic. Um, but it must be bittersweet for you as well. It is. It's really hard to believe that a year has gone by. Um, you know, interesting as I reflect back to uh, assuming the chair role, actually sitting in my office in Glen Burnie, Maryland, uh, remotely as uh, we had the conference online, right. obviously. Yes, the virtual so AIC. It started in a most unusual way, and it has <laughs> been a busy year with lots going on, but uh, hard to believe the year is almost come to a conclusion. So as you reflect on the year, let, let's start there. That's probably, you know, every time someone is the chair and it's on one hand, it's only a one year role as chair, which sounds very short until you do it mm-hmm. and you go, okay, yeah, I don't think I could do this for much more than a year. Uh, but in your year, uh, a huge amount of change in a very quick amount of time as it relates to our world and our community. Definitely. I mean, COVID was still a heavy impact, as I assumed to the role. Obviously, we were remote. We couldn't be in Colorado as we wanted to be Mm -hmm. for Mike's conference. And, um, you know, the first few months, we're really trying to figure out how do we get people back together? I know that's what everybody wanted. But how do we do it safely? How do we set up procedures to make sure that we can get folks together in a way that they feel comfortable? And so it's great to be at a conference where we've got Mm -hmm. all of our colleagues together, record-breaking numbers of attendees. It just shows how much people want to reconnect and, and be together. Yeah. And so, you know, you you had a chance to observe that, both with early coming back together uh, where we tried new protocols and new processes and people were eager and willing. Then we had to pull back a little as the Omicron surge hit. Uh, but then you got to experience, you know, the workshop, um, which, of course, you've gone to for many years. Then you got to go to the regional conferences, which I think is a unique thing from a jurisdiction perspective, because as staff, we go to all these regional conferences and industry goes to all the regional conferences. But the jurisdiction members only go to their own regional conference unless they're chair of the board. It is really a unique part of the role and something I really enjoyed, not only seeing the distinctions between the different events, but just getting to know people a little mm-hmm. bit better. You tend to you know, spend more time with people in your region. You have more regular meetings, especially here on the East Coast. We're right. very close to each other, so we're in constant communication. But you know, to get a chance to meet folks in Region 3, Region 4, Region 2, and spend a little more time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Frankly, I've already stolen some great ideas from the conferences <laughs> that are part of the AIC this year. 
year yeah. because I think that they're great ways of bringing the community together. And um, as we like to do in the motor vehicle world, we share our good ideas. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not shameless about that. And so um, I really enjoyed the time spending with folks around the country learning more about uh, how they do their business and, and what works and what doesn't. And that's, I think, always the interesting part is while there are nuances in the difference of the events, the issues are the same. The way we're tackling are more the same than different, whether you're in Region 1 where you're very close geographically together or parts of the country where you can travel for an entire day and a half and still be in the same state. That's right. You know, it's the similarities far outweigh the differences. Very much so. I mean, as you look at the agenda, very similar and, you know, different perspectives on how to accomplish the Mm -hmm. same goals. Our mission is the same, very much what AMVA puts forward as the mission, but maybe different ways of getting there. Um, And so that is interesting to see how much we have have in common and frankly not just in the US you know in Canada and then as we develop our relationship with E-Reg and right. you know fortune that we had to be able to go there and and Oslo and meet with colleagues from around the country the commonality of issues it's really there it's amazing yeah it's really they're really global issues there's no more regional or even domestic issues they're you know much more global issues Definitely. but i want to talk more about your your year as chair what you know let's start with you know what you learned that you didn't expect to learn about being chair, you know, you, unlike uh, different chairs come into the role with different backgrounds of involvement with AMVA, you had a long history of AMVA involvement. Mm-hmm. Many committees, working groups, already been on the board, been region one president. So you went into it perhaps, you know, eyes wide open with a lot of that context, yet there still must have been things that surprised you about it. Sure. Well, I mean, I think the first thing I did even before I became chair was to reach out to many of the past presidents, the past chairs, and just yeah. say, what was it like? What advice would you have wanted to know before you took the role? And, you know, we have so many great folks who have been through before, and mm-hmm. learning from them was very helpful. You know, some of the advice was, you know, enjoy it. It goes so quickly. Yeah. Make sure you take the time to really enjoy the experience. Um, even though you talk about the travel and, mm-hmm. and everybody recognizes it's an issue going into it. And frankly, my travel was probably a little less than some chairs right. in the past. Um, it still is intense. Yeah. So no matter what you do, um, <laughs> to try to minimize the impact there, it still is intense. And trying to balance that with the responsibilities back home, you know, right. that doesn't go away. And even though Maryland team is fabulous and they um, really stood in for me when I couldn't be in certain places. And, and frankly, the remote um, access is great now, right? You can participate in meetings in a different way mm-hmm. than maybe you could prior prior years. Um, but still, it's tough. Yeah. And that, I guess that, that works both ways, whether it's being able to do some of your AMVA responsibilities from Maryland or while you're right. on travel for AMVA, still being able to step out of the meeting room and go take that meeting. And there's a lot more of a universal acceptance and understanding of doing meetings virtually. That's right. That's right. So that made it a lot easier, that aspect of it. But it's a tiring year, no doubt, no matter yeah. how you do it. Um, yeah. Mentally exhausting, I think. Um, really important to me to make sure, you know, we were reflecting what the AMBA community wanted, mm-hmm. um, especially during COVID. You know, a lot of different perspectives out there in terms yeah. of what we should be doing and where should we go um, from a protocol perspective. And so, you know, it's just important to me to make sure that I was reaching out to folks regularly, you know, again, before 
becoming chair reached out to all the board members and had conversations what works mm-hmm. what doesn't how can we um, do things better you know me I always like to challenge the status quo and I I'm proud that we've done a little bit of that this year yeah. right we've got a pop-up classroom that was yep. very successful and I think people love it and um, looking forward to uh, the next version of it on different topics and then even the workshop and having a mm-hmm. kind of a unique experience there with tracks and trying to really dig deeper into issues those are two things I'm really proud of that's great so let's talk about some other key accomplishments obviously there's a couple of issues going into the year that were of importance to you that you know I think you've moved the needle on Uh, let's talk about some in the space of highway safety that's something that I know has always been a passion of yours in Maryland you're also the governor's highway safety rep and so let's talk a little bit about that initiative to try to build that bridge and close the gap between those communities yeah, it is so important. And, you know, I know we all share that passion for highway safety, but how do we bring those worlds together where it's not naturally situated in the same organization or the same space? And so excited about the ANVA policy that maybe provides a little bit of clarity mm-hmm. to new administrators or even folks who have been around a little while in terms of how they can best engage with the highway safety community, with law enforcement, and, you know, what that looks like, what activities are important for them to be aware of and involved in. Um, at the end of the day, it's all about relationships. Just like everything we do, right? So making those connections, being able to pick up the phone and have that conversation, that goes a long way into moving the needle. And I think, you know, we've had some of those conversations directly with uh, NHTSA and the Governor's Highway Safety Association, kind of our sister association for Governor Highway Safety Offices. You know, what... In addition to the policy, what might be some of the the leave behinds that you would hope maybe anybody that's been engaged and listening to the conversation, they might... May, may might do differently and, and think, okay, I'm glad Chrissy opened our eyes to that. Yeah, I mean, I think it was really helpful to have NHTSA and GHSA part of the conversation because these are things that need to be institutionalized, mm-hmm. right? We can't have people change and then it just kind of dies. And so the idea that there are specific examples out there of best practices, there's a session during the AIC that will explore some of those mm-hmm. relationships that are really working well. You know, again, we like to take ideas that work well and sure. figure out how we can you know, modify them to fit our own jurisdiction. Um, There are lots of ways that jurisdictions, motor vehicle jurisdictions and agencies can benefit from that relationship with the Highway Safety Association, um, whether it's through grant funding, things that you may need to do from a traffic record standpoint. Mm -hmm. That's one I hold out all the time because we are constantly making changes to our systems to be more accurate, more timely. Um, And there is money out there, frankly, for that to happen, including state-to-state driver history records, shameless plug. Um, But take advantage of those things because it benefits the entire community. It benefits from a highway safety perspective, and it benefits the motor vehicle agencies. Those, in my mind, are win-win, and we should be doing more of that working together. And it's, you know, when you start talking about some of those things and some other things that I want to ask you about, we talk about the year being quick and a year sounding like a long time. And sometimes change feels slow when you're in the moment. But if we look back on your year as chair, there's a number of things that happened this year that were, were critical developments. One, of course, was DHR went live, driver history record. It's something we've been talking about for a while. And this year, under your year as chair, it's now live. And there are multiple states, including Maryland, mm-hmm. that are now fully in production. Yeah, I have to say that was such an exciting moment. I know for many of us who have been engaged in this conversation for such a long time, going back to the days of divs and, Mm -hmm. you know, those conversations we had even back in the day in terms of we know we want to do this driver history record piece, but it's a little too much to implement at the same time. 
um, I don't. I hope everybody appreciates really the major step forward from a highway safety standpoint that the AMBA community has taken with this. I'm so proud of the team, the, the, the AMBA developers, the states who have stepped forward in such a leadership way um, to make this happen and make it a priority when I know they have many other things on their plates to yeah. get done. But um, this is an area where AMBA made a com- commitment um, publicly that we were moving forward in and we upheld that commitment yeah. and um, I think the implementations have been largely very seamless and states are um, finding it much easier to be able to send this information electronically than the old manual format and I'm excited to see all the other states that are lined up to implement as well. Absolutely and I think you know that's a place where um, I think we can safely say you have a successor in Christina Boardman who is very much going to carry that flag and encourage uh, you know states to get on board with DHR. 100%. Wisconsin's definitely been a leader. Again, the first state to implement with driver history record. Um, And I have to admit, you know, when we implemented, it was a bit of a moment for me. Like, it felt like a huge step forward for the community. And um, I was just glad that we were able to be a part of it. Um, But the great thing is Christina's been such a leader in this area that I know she's only going to continue those efforts and the appreciation for what the states are doing here. And for all of you listening, that's next week's podcast. Next week, I'm going to have Christina on. So this week, we're we're saying goodbye to one chair. Next week, we're going to welcome the new chair. The other area where, you know, sometimes when you step back and think about it, it feels like we've been talking about for a long time. Is it coming? Is it coming? Is it coming? Is MDL. This year, again, was a significant year for MDL. International Standard was finalized, which updated the AMVA operational guidelines, the pop-up classroom that you talked about, and, of course, some very high-profile pilots, including one that Maryland was a part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seemed to be a very significant year for moving the needle forward in MDL. It really was. I mean, it's one of those things we've all talked about for years. You know, we did a pilot several years back, but in terms of real motion, I think this year... Um, really has it. I mean, of course, Eric Jorgensen, who's heading our DTS steering Mm -hmm. committee, um, was the first state to go live with the Apple Wallet implementation, and and we followed on to that. Um, It is exciting. You know, this really has the ability to change the nature of products as we think of them today, at least Mm -hmm. on the driver licensing side. Um, The issue of identity management and what does that really mean is an enormous issue. You know, it goes beyond what we think of traditionally as motor vehicle agency functions. And Mm -hmm. it impacts commerce in a way that has enormous implications. And so I think we're all um, wanting to make sure that we take the right steps, but also very conscious of the fact that um, there's a lot of forward motion in this area and that we need to be a part of that conversation because of um, the robust job we do in vetting the identity. Right. That's, That's what right. it all comes back to. If that yeah. identity is not valid, then anything that goes on top of it or verification that's done of it really means nothing at yeah. the end of the day. That's right. You know, and again, you know, under your leadership as chair, AMVA moved forward to commit to building the, the digital trust service that, you know, as I mentioned, Eric is guiding the, the group that's doing some oversight and governance. Um, but again, it kind of shifts how AMVA members can uh, collaborate and combine resources to do something for, you know, the, the unit as a whole, as opposed to everyone having to do it individually. That's right. And, you know, that's what I love about AMVA. You know, there's a group of folks and some are early adopters and yeah. others are not even close to a solution. But everybody comes together to figure out what is the best way to move forward and what are the right standards that we all should meet up 
um, two, in order to join the digital trust service, where do we mm-hmm. want to be as a community? Mm-hmm. Um, and folks do that regardless of where they are personally from a jurisdictional perspective. I yeah. think that's one of the wonderful things about AMBA. Everybody's very sharing and collaborative in their approach, and certainly digital trust service is one of those yeah. areas. One of the things that when you came on as chair, and again, it's perhaps because of your background having been involved in AMVA so much, you took very seriously the role that the board has to take in terms of governing the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things in you know, asking Kurt Myers to come back as treasurer, you know, you and he had some conversations about AMVA has a sh- very strong financial foundation, um, but how do you make something that's great even better? And you've had some great success there with what we've been referring to as financial transparency. And I know that this week, Kurt will be, you know, sharing some of that in his treasurer's report. But for those who maybe aren't at the AIC, uh, can you give me a little bit about what you and with working with Kurt and his leadership of the Finance Committee have accomplished for us? Yeah, I mean, it's really um, tremendous when you think about the work that the AMVA finance team does to keep AMVA solvent despite the challenging circumstances that are going on and really grateful to them for their leadership. But you're right. How does a member of the community know what's being done with the financial um, resources and how do new members certainly mm. access that information too and so um, Kurt helped lead with the finance committee um, and Wendy Sibley's support uh, a review of the GuideStar standards and mm-hmm. how really AMBA could make um, information that's out there but maybe a little more difficult to find in the past more accessible to our members so I'm really proud of the idea that now you know we are more transparent the, certainly the new website was a great mm-hmm. help in that regard we would able to restructure and make that information, you know, just a click or two away as opposed to somewhere in a search engine that might be difficult to find. Um, And so I think it's a great step forward. And frankly, you know, that transparency goes beyond just our financial areas. We need to keep looking at are there other things that um, we need to ensure that members have access to, you know, as government agencies, everything we do is accessible. And so the association, um, by default, we have to think about how we're providing access to information, not only for members, but also the general public. So talk to me about some of any of the other accomplishments programmatically. I want to ask you again about some more personal reflections to share, but programmatically, is there anything we haven't talked about that, you know, hasn't come to mind? You know, one one for me is e-titling. It continues to be a, a conversation. We had some documents that were published this year. Where do you see the future going in the, in the e-titling space? Yeah, that's another really exciting development in terms of our vehicle space. The idea that, you know, we put together a document, another great working group that Mm -hmm. looked at what do states need to do to prepare. But then they said, okay, let's maybe take a little bit of a pivot here and um, figure out what are the base requirements that states need to do for data exchange. Similar to what, you know, digital trust service Mm -hmm. on the driver's side, not really that different. But I love the fact that the committees are willing to come back to the board and say, okay, I think this has outlived its usefulness, and I think we need to do something a little bit different and look at the issue a little bit differently. Um, Again, I think in this space there are both efficiency and financial needs to move to an e-titling 
um, place. It is complex, and there are a ton of players involved, and that will be our challenge as we move forward. But um, I am excited with the idea that, again, we're going to bring folks together from different jurisdictions, and they're going to bring the best ideas forward. And, um, you know, figuring out what that minimal data exchange is, let's start somewhere. That's what That's I always right. say, right? Yeah. Yeah. Eat an elephant one bite at a time. <laughs> so right. right. uh, let's start somewhere. So I'm really excited um, with the direction that's going in and, and getting the group together to start defining those standards. Because I know there's jurisdictions who are ready to kind of, again, be on the leading that's edge right. and, and adopters, implement some things. Sure. You know, you mentioned before about new members and getting information. And what comes to mind is one area where we've had a lot of new members this year is in our associate membership. Obviously, our jurisdiction membership are set. It's only 69 jurisdictions, of course, individuals in jurisdictions, you know, ebb and flow. Uh, but we were up to uh, 219 associate member organizations now. That's a pretty big growth this past year. And that's been something that's been important to you to see happen. It is. And, you know, I, I think it's important that when you use the word partnership, we truly mean that. And I think COVID brought that home even more than maybe we even knew before. Mm -hmm. There are many things that jurisdictions just couldn't do themselves or couldn't do as quickly as they needed to, as was necessi uh, necessitated by the pandemic. And so they worked with their partners in the private sector to figure out how do we deliver solutions that make sense. Um, so I'm really glad that, you know, we see growth in terms of our associate members. Certainly we have a lot of um, very large companies who have now joined the AMVA community. The growth in the identity mm -hmm. space, I think, is clearly one of the reasons for that. But many other associate members with, you know, different business models. And I think AMVA has always established itself as a fair marketplace where, you know, we welcome all ideas and certainly always listening to hear um, new ways of bringing efficiencies to all of our jurisdictions. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, speaking of new members and members that are less involved, having been so involved, but coming from a place maybe some years ago where, you know, it comes in stages, now having gone through the entire cycle, if you will, and finishing this chair, what's some of those high level things that, you know, you would love to share with any member who doesn't really know the ins and outs of the board and being chair, and obviously they don't need to know all the details, but say, hey, you know, they should probably know these three things about what the chair or the board is doing for them that maybe they don't know about. Yeah, I think it's a really important governance role um, that the board takes on, again, representing their regions and really the larger um, group of, of jurisdictions in terms of where we're going, you know, the yeah. policy documents that go out, reviewing what's been put forward by the committees and working groups and making sure that's reflective of where we want to be as an association and signing off on those documents. Talked about the financial responsibility mm -hmm. earlier. That's a huge responsibility. You know, those are essentially tax dollars, which are then sent to the association to pay for the many important services that we provide, including all of our important IT systems that we use every day on mm -hmm. our transactions. But making sure we're doing our due diligence and spending them the right way for the jurisdictions is incredibly important. Yeah. Balancing the needs, you know, and I think um, that's one thing as chair that you see a little bit differently than maybe others do. Hmm. Um, you know, large states, small states, um, yeah. s different geographic uh, representations. You know, there are different philosophies or different needs. The issues are the same, as you said earlier, but how do we make sure we're meeting the needs in a way that makes sense for right. folks across the country as well as Canada? And did you find it a challenge at all to have to take off your Maryland hat to have some of those conversations or is it is it too entwined? I mean, at the end of the day, that's still, that's your day job and that's what you have to do. And, you know, AMVA is in addition to, and yet as chair, you have to say, okay, I need to look at this 
for all 69, not just what might be good for Maryland and those jurisdictions that Maryland works the most with. Yeah, 100%. I think you have to take off that hat. And I almost think you have to be conscious of people are going to think that you're saying something because you come from that jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. So I almost was like more conscious of it um, and didn't want jurisdictions, if I was putting something forward, to think it was because of where I sat geographically or what my experience was. Um, Trying to make sure that I heard everybody. That's why, again, I tried to outreach as much as I can. Um, Talking to people, meeting people, that was the best part of the year for me because I learned so much. I mean, we have so many great leaders within the organization, whether by title or not. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the folks that had an opportunity to interact with at a higher level, you know, they may not be running the organization. They will be probably one day yep. just being the Anva Leadership Academy. <laughs> <laughs> Strong history there moving up in the organization. But we just have so many great people within the community. And um, I just feel like I've learned so much as a result of yeah. having that interaction. And so as people move up and you give pass on the advice, now you're one of the past chairs that someone will call. Um, I'm sure you'll have a private conversation with Christina and not asking you to divulge it all here, but you know, what might be fit for public consumption that maybe you learned from a previous chair or you learned on your own that you would pass forward to someone else? Sure, sure. Um, and Christina is going to do a phenomenal job all on her own. Um, she's a remarkable leader, and uh, I'm excited to see what happens next year. But um, certainly the advice to soak it all in I think is important. I think that's a good advice for all of us. We tend to be very busy in our everyday lives, period, without yep. additional responsibilities. And so, you know, making sure you're really present, whether it's at that event or yep. um, at that meeting, because you won't have that experience again. As you said, it's one year. Um, And so making sure you really absorb all of that. I'd also say, you know, there were certain things I had coming into the year that were priorities. Many of them, as you said, we've been able to move the needle. Some of them maybe we adjusted just based on the circumstance, you know, and Mm -hmm. I said, okay, maybe that's not as big a priority in this moment. Not that I've forgotten about it because, you know, long memory, but um, (laughs) maybe in the moment that's not one that I want to try to push uphill, try to you know, approach it from a different perspective or focus on something that's more pertinent to the larger community. And in a sense, you still get to do that because you're still a member of the board for a year as immediate past chair. It's not as if you, you know, ride off into the sunset that quickly. That is true. I will still be here. Along those notes, I have to ask, you know, when we look at past chairs, we only have currently two past chairs who are still in a jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. 80 years of chairs and or now almost 90 and only two are still you know with a uh, motor vehicle administration mm-hmm. what what's next for Chrissy on the on the horizon whether it is AMVA involvement other groups you're not someone to just sit on the sidelines no I'm not and, and ironically one of the things I guess that happened over the last year you know one of the um, groups that you meet with regularly is the RP board right you're mm-hmm. de facto a member of the board and so um, I guess Tim must have done his job really well because by um, a month ago I joined the IRP board, so I will have another um, volunteer responsibility. Uh, That's good. We don't want you to have any free on time. my resume, good, exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know what? <laughs> Part of it is at the board meetings. I realize like there is a huge responsibility that is flowing through this area, mm-hmm. and you know sometimes we don't always pay as much attention to it as we should because it works really well. Right. It functions right. Um, but I saw that maybe there was a need to engage and make sure that there's leadership 
in that area. And so, you know, sometimes when you see a need, you got to say, and there's an opening, right. I'm going to step forward and right. volunteer. And so that's something that probably wouldn't have happened, to be honest, if I wasn't chair, if I wasn't sitting in the room while they were having the conversations. And Because even though in Maryland you have the IRP functions here, uh, like you said, it works fine. So I don't have to pay that much attention to it. But it's because you were chair of the board. You went to the IRP board meetings, which was a different conversation than just Maryland doing their IRP stuff. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, we've had experts in that area. Some of them have gone on to retire. We've had to bring new folks into this area. Um, so we have been taking a little closer look at it in Maryland, as, as many other states, I'm sure, have gone through with retirements. But it was attending the IRP board meeting, frankly, yeah. and hearing the conversation, hearing the dedication. Um, and and the need again to to be make sure we're being strategic and, and look at these issues as a whole. There's such a connection yeah. uh, with AMBA and IRP, and you know certainly anything I can do with help to help with that, I am happy to do so. So yes, not stepping away from volunteering. Yes. Have a hard time saying no. I think you know that. Yes. Well, and it's funny. I was going to say, having known you now for more than a decade, I've never seen you join a group that you didn't end up being the chair or in a leadership role of. I don't, so I will no, take, no, no. we're going to take bets <laughs> on what year Chrissy will be chair of the IRP board. I, that is not my goal. I only want to be a it's contributing member. <laughs> and it's, it's might just be inevitable. That's but I okay. Would, I would just say to others, you know, because you'd asked earlier about what advice you'd give, yeah. take advantage. There's so many great opportunities to get involved. I don't know that it really matters where, whether it's yeah. a working group or a committee. I mean, that's what I tell my folks. I try to describe my experiences and how they're different because mm -hmm. it is different on a working group versus a committee Absolutely. versus a board governance committee. Um, they're different experiences, but they all have such value. Yeah. They really do. Um, certainly prepared me well for this role because, you know, I've grown up, as I'd like to say, within, mm -hmm. or maybe grown old within the organization. I'm not sure which. Um, but learned a lot of lessons along the way and, you know, things that you bring back to your jurisdiction that you can either implement or just think about differently. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess my last question is, were any big surprises or shocks along the way of, wow, I just didn't expect this to be part of being chair? Oh, you know, the travel experiences. I know everybody yeah. talks about it. Travel right now is a challenging. It was a, this year was a crazy year of, of travel. People know that. Did you, in all of the travel you did for AMBA, did you have any of those personal challenges where, you know, flights canceled, extended delays, baggage lost? I know I we did. had one where, it we could share with everybody, I had a baggage issue that Chrissy bailed me out on <laughs> uh, going into one of the regional conferences, Long story short, I had to have, you know, Chrissy and Ann, it's like getting the chair of your board and your CEO to pick up your bags at the airport, but they were willing to do so. Whatever it takes, right? <laughs> we're all a team. Um, yeah, I had a few of them, although I'm not complaining because I know some of the Enva staff have had some really challenging experiences. I had one where I had three, same trips, three flight cancellations. My luggage wound up going one way and I wound up going another. I think it was 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning when I finally connected with it at BWI, but um, yeah, flying has been challenging late, certainly, to meetings because yeah. flights being delayed. Um, spent a lot of time at, at our airport, got to know uh, with a lot of familiarity where things were. Um, it's funny, the team was asking me, so where is this? And I'm like, I know exactly, I know exactly where it exactly is. I've spent a lot of time there, right? So um, that was fun. Um, but it was worth it at the end of the day. I mean, flying can be draining, but sure. at the end result, certainly. Well, it gets back it. to where you started, which is the ability to get out and meet people and mm -hmm. be in the room with them. We all survived the virtual 2020, 2021, but we know that um, it, nothing replaces that 
carbon being and being in the same space as someone. And and let me just say, like, sometimes when I sit back, I think, oh, my gosh, I've seen so many chairs go through the process. It's somewhat surreal to me. So for those listening who may be in different positions with their, their yeah. organization, never hesitate to, again, get involved, get engaged. One day it's going to be one of those individuals who's sitting there thinking, that would never be me because that's where that's I right. am too. Sometimes, like I said, it's an hour of body experience. Is that really me who's up there that um, is currently preparing to end the year as chair? Because I've seen so many great leaders come through the AMBA community and I've learned so much from them. So um, I just encourage everybody, get as involved as you can and learn as much as you can. And we're really depending upon you know other great leaders to step forward. It, the success of the organization is truly dependent on that. Certainly the staff, I can't say enough about the great AMBA team. I brag about you guys all the time, but um, at the end of the day, we need jurisdictions to step up and volunteer and give their great knowledge and insight. Absolutely. You know, I mean, we do. We're blessed to have an amazing staff, but we're only as effective as we have members to support. That's you know, right. We need to have the members there and engaged to be able to do what we do best. That's right. Great. Well, Chrissy, again, thank you. I know everyone enjoys when you're on. Just because you're not sure anymore does not mean I will not have you back in, in the future. You now have a record to maintain, though I know Christina will try to try to dethrone you, and that's okay, too. Um, so thanks again. Thanks for an amazing year. Thanks for an amazing week in Baltimore, and uh, I can't wait for another decade of our friendship. Thank you, Ian. Looking forward to it as well. Thank you all for listening this week. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Till next week, everyone, stay well. Thank you for joining us for AmbaCast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.